Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to At Home with Lyndon Drew Scott, a show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers about what makes us feel most at home. You know what makes me feel most at home? I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> me? You. Oh, I you hear got it right. <laughs> Is it just because I'm a comfy sort of pillow to sleep on? Yes, you're mm. a comfy pillow to sleep on, a rock to lean on, and... Someone to You're nap very with. kind. Twice a day. We had two naps today. Whatever makes you feel at home, this, this is, is at, at home. home. Well, there's a lot on our minds this week. We're thinking about the communities and families all around the world. Um, this year marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, so we've been thinking about the families of the mm-hmm. victims um, and first responders, volunteers, everyone who yeah. has been affected. You know, just thinking of 9-11, I can remember where I was when I heard what was happening. I was actually... I was uh, working for an airline. I was in Calgary. I was on my day off, but I actually went into the airport because everything was shut down. All planes were grounded. So they needed more people on site to help. Um, You know, I I have to say too, it was pretty amazing all the people who came together to support one another when 9-11 happened. It it just goes to show you what we can do when we all come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's also been making me think more about what's happening in Afghanistan. I mean, over half a million people displaced in the recent months since the U.S. troops moved out. I mean, this is a huge humanitarian crisis right now, let alone they're on the brink of economic collapse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me, it's the, I mean, all of us, you know, it's the women and girls who I fear for most because they may face going back to a world that they've worked so hard to grow from. And, and, and also too, you look, there's Hurricane Ida in New Orleans and the remnants of all the storms up along the East Coast. You know, it's, flash flooding in New York. It's just so much has been happening. The recent UN climate report also Mm -hmm. seems very dismal. Yeah. Yeah. It feels nonstop, but it feels like there's so much sadness and uncertainty in the world and it's so easy to feel despair and hopelessness. But I mean, this is sort of when we feel that it's most important to sort of go back to the basics, to spread kindness and to strive for and be hope. Mm -hmm. So that's why today we're highlighting just a few of those people who through their work, art, storytelling, serve to make the world a kinder place. Well, we really hope that this episode inspires you. All of the guests that we want to highlight are absolutely amazing souls. Brandon Harvey, Kenny Leon, and two people we absolutely love, Rain Wilson and Holiday Reinhorn. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. 
visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I think we should start with Brandon. Let's dig in with a little bit of good, good, good. Oh, Brandon was the first episode of this year. I can't believe it was... Gosh, we're in September already. Um, It was just the perfect way to start off the year. And I think it makes sense that we, you know, highlight him again now because we always need that reminder of how to look for good in the world um, and how to look for that in ourselves. My background is in the world of humanitarian photography. And I've gotten the incredible privilege to get to spend years... uh, looking for the good in the world. And so I founded Good, 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 which is uh, a company that celebrates good uh, and reminds us of the ways that we can get involved and become a part of the good. And the good newspaper is the primary way that we do this, which is a real-life print newspaper filled with good news, filled to the brim. And it just makes you feel hopeful and happy uh, to get to read it and to dive into those stories. And and ultimately, the goal isn't just that you leave the issue feeling better about the world, but that you'd feel inspired to become a part of that change. And I love that. That's that's the big thing. I think there are so many great people in this world, but they, you know, a lot of people feel they don't know what they can do to make a difference. And this is that extra little sort of kick in the butt to say, there's lots that you can do. Even just smiling at it, somebody as you walk by is a great way to spread good mm-hmm. in this world. That, that is the best thing is, you know, I have to admit, you know, 2020 was obviously a very difficult year for everyone. And yeah, whenever I feel overwhelmed, I go to good, good, good to see like, okay, yes, it's okay to be overwhelmed, but now what can I do? I am so honored that you're saying that because that's exactly our goal. Our goal is that when you see bad news in the world, the first thing that you do is not feel sad, feel overwhelmed, the first thing you should do is look for the helpers. There's this quote that we're completely guided by with everything at Good, Good, Good. Uh, it's I'm sure you've heard it before. It's Mr. Rogers saying, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And in 2020, it is not easy. Well, in some ways, it's very easy to find the helpers in 2020 because there's so many people making a difference. But in other ways, there's so many bad things happening that it can feel really overwhelming and hard to find those helpers. And so that's where our team comes in and we we try to show up and help in that way exactly. And so I'm so glad that, that you have found that to be a good resource. And to your other point of this being of us trying to be transparent about you know when we don't know things i i'm thinking about today is the us as we're recording the us uh is getting vaccines out to people for the first day and we haven't done very much coverage of all of the vaccines up until now because it was hard for us to know you know what stuff is the pr spin what stuff mm-hmm. is real good news and so now that we know that it's good news now that we feel really confident that we can celebrate it now we're we're high highlighting it and sharing it. And along the way, we've tried to be transparent about saying like, this looks like good news, but you know, we want to make sure that it passes all the trials and yeah. all this yeah. stuff. And, and we try to do that with everything. And actually, can you go through, I mean, I know it's very like nitty gritty, like what are the steps that your team uh, takes to ensure that you are not just putting out good news, you know, just on the surface? Like how do you vet good news? Yeah, great question. I think first I'll say that one thing that we do that's a little different than other 
maybe positive outlets online is we focus on what we call real good news, not feel good news. So there's a lot of feel good news in the world that you know you can kind of think of as the rainbows and puppies and kittens. Mm-hmm. It's the positive stuff, but it doesn't necessarily have a lot of substance to it. And we think that's great. Like I could spend all day watching those videos on YouTube, <laughs> but we intentionally want to focus... Oh. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, we want to focus on talking about solutions to problems. Mm -hmm. So we always start with, what's the problem that we see in the world? What makes me feel overwhelmed? What makes you feel overwhelmed? Uh, So if it's a tragedy or something, some sort of injustice in the world, we start there. And then we go along to what Mr. Rogers said, we look for the helpers. And we actually make sure to vet whatever those helpers are doing to create a solution. Is this somebody who has expertise in this subject matter? Is this coming from a nonprofit that we can trust? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do their financials look like? There's all these things that we can kind of look into along those lines. Um, And then when we share, we always share with resources so that you can look into it further if you want to. Mm-hmm. If we're finding information from another publisher, we're going to talk about that publisher so people can dive in deeper. We'll give people the context to look a little bit further if they want to go down that trail. And then lastly, most importantly, when we get things wrong, which we do sometimes, we always try to not only own up to it, but own up to it publicly mm-hmm. in a way that people who saw the story and people who didn't see the story can see the correction because right. we think that that's just important journalism practices. Uh, And our goal ultimately is that we're a place that people can trust when they're looking for a sense of hopefulness. Anytime I think of Brandon, it's just, it feels like a warm hug. Feels like a warm hug. And it reminds me, yes, you can feel sad. And yes, we can do something about it to help. Definitely. So how about some more inspiration? Kenny Leon, he's a Tony Award-winning Broadway and film director. He has such a long resume. He's worked with some of the best of the best. Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, Samuel L. Jackson, Kerry Washington. Anytime Kenny takes on a project, you can trust that the message is going to be something that you need to hear in your life. In our conversation last summer during the BLM movement, Kenny shares how we can all be a part of the solution of the injustice and racism we see in the world. Personally, I mean, we've known Kenny for many years and I feel every time I talk to him, he's just somebody who pulls you in when you're having a conversation with him and he makes you realize how much each of us can do for each other with just a little bit of love, spreading a little bit of kindness. And I just really love how Kenny is such a big advocate of education because that's how we're going to be able to grow our understanding and respect and love for one another. I will always believe in love. I have no other option. I, I, I just I just do. And so when the pandemic hit, I was I had a play on Broadway uh, entitled A Soldier's Play, which dealt with injustices in our military. So every time I approach a play, like I approach that play as if it was a new play. It was written 40 years ago, but I approached it like it was written today. So then I had um, Nipsey Hussle's music in it. I had like, you know, hip hop music from the day in it. I had uh, an American flag in the backdrop because I'm still trying to reach people where they sit. And uh, I think that we have to keep saying we're not living in the past. We're living now. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that over time we will beat the evil down. We will beat injustice down. And, um, we just got to keep keep doing that. And I tell my white friends when they call and they say, what can we do? And I say, well, you can listen, but 
Number two, what we all can do is just small acts, small acts of, uh, of, of how you treat decent humans. It's, let's have one, one justice system. Let's just treat everybody the way you want to be treated and speak up whenever you hear injustices anywhere. If you're on a golf course and someone tells a, 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 a gay joke or a racial joke, Correct it right then. If you live next door to a black or an Asian or Hispanic and you happen to be white, then walk next door and say hello. You know, uh, you know, let's open up conversations. Let's try to have that that the goal of having one humanity. A big thing that Linda and I strongly feel with every aspect um, of our lives is that it all starts at home. Uh, the way we communicate with our family, the way anyone would communicate to their kids or grandkids, that can really affect all aspects of their life. And so when you're looking at racial injustice, um, how, how have you prepared your kids or grandkids for the world as it is right now? And what are you hoping that that communication at home can, can be like to prep them for a different a change for the future? Well, one thing I try to give them truth as they're able to receive it. You know, one is four and one is two. So I haven't been shying away from, you know, why do we have on the mask Corona? Mm -hmm. uh, what is Corona? It's, it's bad, you know? And, and when we sit down to eat, uh, and the two-year-old doesn't get it yet, but when we sit down to eat, we bow our heads. Uh, no matter who you pray to, it's acknowledging that something is bigger than you. So we try to do by our actions, we do that. Or if my four-year-old wants to, you know, he's Opa, Opa, Opa. And I was like, what do you say first? He said, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Correct. Say, excuse me. Okay, now you can speak. And then mm -hmm. what I do is I listen to them. Go ahead, talk. Let me listen to you. What do you have to say? You know, so the, the way I want the world to be, <laughs> I'm it in their world. So I'm always listening mm. to them. I'm attentive to them. Uh, I teach them uh, manners. Um, if someone opens a door for them, even if it's a stranger, they have to say thank you. You know, you'll be surprised at the, the, the way people raise their children, never to say thank you. They say, oh, that's so cute. Just No, it's not cute. Those little things become big ideas. At one point, Donald Trump was four years old. Yeah. So, you know, and we learn behavior and we grow into it. So um, I try to show compassion. Um, and I try to the way I want them to be. I try to demonstrate that uh, I've been working a lot on um, some book I've been reading by Ryan Holiday um, about stillness, the stillness of the mind. So I've been trying to work on that and not to act when I'm angry, um, just Still your mind, slow the world down, observe the beauty. Don't just take a picture of the sunset, observe the sunset. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm working on myself and trying to uh, translate that to my grandkids. And I think that's what all of us can do. You know, it starts with your grandkids. And then if you haven't spoken to your, 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 your kid, uh, your grown kid for a while, pick up the phone and do that. If you haven't spoken to your your sister in a while, pick up the phone and do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just believe um, that this moment is here for us to seize it. And I choose to believe that the majority um, of, of our country 
means well and they want to do well and they and so I want to do that and 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 I think there's much to be learned you know if you're black there's much to be learned if you're white there's much to be learned and I I want us to really just look for that day when there's just there's just one justice mm-hmm. one justice system one true uh, justice system not one true justice mm-hmm. system. Yeah. right exactly right. just letting your kid know that they're entitled you know, you know, just like sometimes just being in the majority is nothing that you did wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. That's just you're you're born white in America. And just because of that entitlement comes with that. Mm-hmm. That's just that's what happens when you're in the majority. So you have to be sensitive, sensitive to that. And how do you adjust to that to make sure there is equal justice for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's one thing to be able to send our kids to um, private schools mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. But wouldn't it be great if we also made sure that all the public schools had equal access as well? Mm-hmm. So the way we care about our private schools, what if we cared about that for all our public schools? You know, and I've been learning a lot, like even like we're able to Zoom and and, and I did a virtual um uh, a virtual uh, a speech for the International Thespian uh, Festival. And uh, in that process, I realized that not everybody even ha- has internet. Not mm-hmm. everyone has uh, a computer or an iPhone. And, you know, so we have, to, we have to start imagining that everybody doesn't have everything that your family has. Mm-hmm. And then how do we give everybody basic equal rights mm-hmm. and access Exactly. So with your imagination, can you crystallize for us your big dream? Wow. My big dream has to be almost going back to what Dr. King said, where we're a world where we're all judged by the character of our content. It's like when I see little kids, it's like when they're real little, they, they are not racist at all. They're like, and they'll tell you the truth. They might say, uh, auntie has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and they might dislike you because you smell or whatever, but they just, you know, one of the most beautiful images to me is to see a long line of like second graders walking down the street, holding hands, regardless of gender, regardless of race. That's like, wow, wouldn't that be great if adults behave that way? Mm. So I guess my dream would be like if as adults we held on to our three-year-old selves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- that would be a beautiful planet. That would be a, a beautiful place to live. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with so. with um, the education system, uh, and I know you're asked to speak a lot, uh, to do a lot of keynotes and, and lectures, um, what do you think is something that could be implemented in our school systems that can help create this change, um, different thought processes and improved communication when it comes to racial literacy? Wow. You know, I did a thing at, I think it was PS, PS 23 mm-hmm. in New York city. And, uh, this is a wonderful school. And they asked me to come in they said, we want you to come in and read a book to the, uh, kindergarten and first graders. And I, and in my own prejudice, I'm thinking like, can I go to the first grade of that? 
you know, am I going to be able to hold their attention? He said, yes, we want you to come in. We want you to talk about what you do. So I came into this classroom. Wow, guys, these kids had uh, read uh, or been read to about theater, about what a director does, uh, about what Broadway is. Um, they, they had read or been read to about when I did um, Children of a Lesser God and work with the deaf community. And some of these kids in this room were deaf or hard of hearing as well. And it was just amazed me that this teacher had them studying uh, like uh, stories by the Greeks. And they were, uh, you know, so they were like Greek, Greek mythology. And, and now they understood uh, Broadway and what I did. And what I realized by that is like the capacity for learning is greater than, uh, than we would uh, acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And so I say stop treating our young people like they're lesser. Our young people are, are, are greater. They could, they could get into Shakespeare in first grade. They can mm. get into the great books right now. Other schools like that, there's, there's something called a speech school in Atlanta, Georgia, where they just treat the kids with respect from, you know, from pre-kindergarten on. And I was like, wow, some kids will never have that. Mm. Because, you know, our school system is not set up that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we need more compassion in our schools and more more justice and, and thinking that anyone in that room, anyone in that community could be president of the United States. Mm-hmm. There are future leaders. everyone like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when you, our, our whole, our society in general could, could take a note from those young kids that, that you're talking about that are that were well read, educated, excited, and passionate curious. and curious. I think that's sure. one thing that I would re- I would love to see more of is people who continue to want to learn. They want to always continue to learn, to grow, to be curious, and to have those conversations. Yeah. I love what you said because that's also what I'm learning during these times. You know, yeah, it's like you know we're dealing with this this injustice issue and we're dealing with the pandemic at the same time, but. I'm using this time to grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, when, do, when, when are you going to stop growing, Kenny Leon? As long as I'm on the planet, I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. You know, Kerry Washington, for instance, taught me a lot just about the, the power of the, the female voice and how I, how I should respect it. And I thought I was respecting it, but she taught me a lot about being female in America. And I was like, wow, as a man, I could learn from that. I can grow from that. That's not too much to ask. If we just said, okay, everybody, let's just grow. That's that's a core value. Let's keep growing. Let's keep learning. Let's keep, the more we grow, the more we would respect each other. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. All right, we're going to shift into two amazing people for some further inspiration. 
amazing author of Big Cats, Holiday Rhinehorn, and her husband, Rain Wilson, from the series Utopia, The Office, Soul Pancake. They join us to talk about the things closest to their hearts, taking care of animals, running their nonprofit, Lee Day Haiti, and climate activism, Soul Pancake, and their faith. You know, whenever we think of Rain and Holly, I just, I literally hear music and poetry in my head. Mm. Now, you guys started uh, a charity as well. And it's sort of interesting to hear, Holly, how you were saying when you were young, you saw that little girl that was the same age as you and, mm-hmm. and how that really affected you. And then here you are years later, the two of you launch a program in Haiti to give back to young girls. Can you tell us a bit more about that journey to starting that initiative? Yeah, I mean, another part, always part of my um, wanting to be a writer was wanting to teach writing as well. And I do come from like generations of women on my mother's side that were all school teachers. And so, um, and frontier school teachers. And like one of my aunts taught literacy in a lumber camp. And it was always to populations that wouldn't have access to education. So it all, it never seemed like I might, any of the things that I did were all seemed very disparate, but it all has sort of integrated over the years. So um, I knew that um, I always wanted to teach writing and support populations um, who didn't have access to writing, and especially women. Um, so when Rain became Rain got the job on the office, and he was invited to participate in a lot of different foundations and for a lot of initiatives. We got really attracted to a group called the Mona Foundation. That's a grant-making org that goes to. They support um, uh, literacy programs all over the world in like 25 countries that are mm. created in the country by change agents within the country. Amazing. So uh, we loved that uh, model, and we visited Haiti, um, and we visited like four of their different schools, and what I saw were all these girls, as we drove through the country, girls doing all the work. You know, everywhere you looked, girls were carrying water and chopping wood, and and they were all teenagers, so they were not in school. Um, and I, I started to speak with... Selling in the markets, doing the child market. care, yeah. you, you name it. Yeah. Haiti is run by, by girls. Yeah. yeah, which, so um, I was speaking to one of the academic directors at a rural school. So we drove four hours in a car out of the capital to this very rural school. And um, we were talking to all the kids um, about what they did in school. And it was academics, you know, math and, and reading, of course, it made sense. But I asked, do you do, you do any art, you know? And the director said, well, no, we, we don't. But I'm sure they would love it, which Haiti has this incredible tradition of art mm. and visual art. And um, I, so I asked one, uh, one of the girls, you know, what do you do? And she was saying, well, she's from a family of 12 and her job is to plant all the food and cook all the food and for 11 adults do all the washing. Oh. Oh. But she really dreams of being a singer. And everyone around started to get really, really excited. And I said, what's going on? And the translator said, well, she's never spoken at school. We, we've never even heard her opinion about anything. Wow. And oh it, a light bulb went off. You know, It's just like that art opens up the soul. So mm-hmm. we started talking about what that would look like to continue working in Haiti, and that's when the earthquake came. Yeah, Maybe so wanna... two months after we left our visit in Haiti in 2009 was the devastating earthquake of 2010, mm-hmm. where two to 300,000 people died in a matter of minutes. Uh, one of the most brutal disasters that's ever hit planet Earth. 
in one of the poorest countries on planet Earth. And so we knew after that visit and after that that we needed to do something. So Holiday and I uh, volunteered to come with this um, group sponsored by the United Nations that was doing um, uh, arts uh, education for girls living in a tent city. So mm. at the time, Sean Penn, you know, was running this tent city on a dilapidated nine-hole golf course in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, the only golf course in Haiti. And there were 40,000 people living there. So we were there for about 12 days teaching. Holly taught creative writing. I taught acting. I also teach, you know, theater games and improv and uh, stuff like that. So uh, and we saw the incredible transformative power of the arts with adolescent girls. Uh, uh, and along with the woman, Dr. Catherine Adams, who was kind of leading that program, we were like, we have to do more. And mm -hmm. from that experience and from those conversations, a few years later, Lide, Haiti, was born. Lide means both idea and leader in Haitian Creole. And so we... Um, for those who don't know, we uh, work with about 800 girls in about 13 locations doing arts. We swiftly added literacy. Uh, we added um, mobile computer labs. We do scholarships. Um, we have tutors. We help with uh, testing. We help buy uniforms for schools. And um, and it's it's been really miraculous. We have a huge Haitian staff. This isn't kind of like white people running Haitians and telling them yeah. what to do and how to do it. It's a Haitian staff of 40 and uh, Haitian teachers. And, you know, basically, Drew, I just whore myself out as Dwight in the United States and sell Dwightish kind of T-shirts and whatnot and signatures and voicemails and stuff like that. And I take all that money and I just funnel it to some of the poorest people in rural Haiti. It's all female leadership. So all of it's ninety nine percent women are our group, oh, that's and uh, that's really amazing. So everyone is collaborating to grow the organization. Being in the arts my whole life too, I really love how you. There's just something that happens when people get inspired through the arts. There's just something that happens, and there's this energy that comes out of people. And to see that in these kids that are in these impoverished areas is life changing. It really is. So mm -hmm. amazing. Kudos. Well, thanks, and, and you just hit on something that's that's really important. Um, you know, early on when we were doing this work, uh, we were questioning it. Uh, we were like, you know, these people are starving, and we're doing like theater classes and poetry classes. Like, what gives? And this young girl, and it's a true quote, she came up and she said to Holiday, "Oh, I get it. Other people give us shoes and give us jobs. You give us hope." And I think mm -hmm. that's what the arts does, is it, is, it, is it teaches a young girl, in this case, young women that we work with, you know, it teaches them, like, I'm valuable, I'm worth something, I have a voice, I can sing a song, I can write a poem, I can play a theater game, I can paint a painting, I matter, my opinion matters, and arts are a, mm -hmm. a, are a perfect pathway to that. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing we're realizing in this time, is that, like, the world is, it seems so shitty, but there is entertainment and art that's connecting us and so many artists are using their voices now to you know, bring forth the conversations that matter through mm -hmm. art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We love hearing more about you with your faith and Baha'i. And I think that there's so much positivity 
that we feel comes from um, what you've shared. Can you tell us a little bit more of about Baha'i and, and you know how how you are trying to share that sort of message of positivity and inclusion and love? Yeah, I had never heard of Baha'i faith until until we met you guys. I was born into a Baha'i family. Uh, a lot of people in the hippie days kind of looked for alternative paths of spirituality, and a lot of people became members of the Baha'i faith in the United States in the in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, Holiday became a Baha'i. Uh, I was not a Baha'i when we first got together. I had left the Baha'i faith for a long time, and mm-hmm. um, she's been a Baha'i for about uh, 15 years or so. But basically, you know, Baha'is believe in all the world's religions. We believe that, um, uh, that they're all divine and that all of these great divine teachers come from the same source, uh, the Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, Moses, Abraham, you name it, many, many more. And that the newest of these spiritual teachers is a man named Baha'u'llah. He goes by the title of Baha'u'llah, which means the glory of God. And Baha'u'llah lived in Persia in the Middle East in the mid-1800s. And he taught a message of peace and love and unity and uniting all of humanity on the planet, um, seeing all races as you know variegated flowers in one kind of universal garden and working in service that the that the highest form of prayer is service to others and that the arts are a form of service to others so this is kind of what the bahai faith believes so basically everything we've been talking about today whether it's lide haiti or our, our artistic paths or soul pancake or climate change or, or whatever it is or whatever we try and do at home um is really inspired by our faith and the Baha'i faith. And it's trying to make the world a better place through love mm-hmm. and, um, and through unity. There's a beautiful piece of writing about the home and what the home represents. And maybe we can read that to you. Rain's going to read it. This is a, from the Baha'i writings. And it mm-hmm. says, my home is the home of peace. My home is the home of joy and delight. My home is the home of laughter and exaltation. Whosoever enters through the portals of this home must go out with gladsome heart. Whosoever enters here must become illumined. Very nice. That's I like so that. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's, oh my gosh, that's, so basically at home podcast is Baha'i podcast. Uh, we're taking over <laughs> your podcast because that is the philosophy of what we've always talked about is it all starts at home. Whatever cultivates in your home is taken with people and with us outside of the home. And so that's, that's really amazing. I love that. I love what you're saying about taking what you've built at home, the love and community and warmth that you build in your personal home and to bring that out and that extension yeah. Uh, is so crucial. That That is the whole point of it. You know, like what is the point of making your physical home beautiful if you can't make your spiritual home and like the world beautiful? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling the love. I really am. Are I'm, you? I'm sending everybody out there listening a giant hug. That's a my way of spreading kindness. Virtual hug and so much love. Hopefully this this was like a little you know, a little squeeze to remind us that we can help others and that actually helps us feel better and makes the world better. It's a win, win, win. I I think that's exactly it is just remember, you know, even if we're having a frustrating day, 
the smallest gestures towards other people to show a little respect and love is it can go a long way. Empathy. That's the key to kindness. Uh, and also, if anybody wants to hit us up on social media at at home, please share your stories. Please comment on our latest posts and say something that you've done, a little bit of kindness that you've shared, because we want to highlight some people for that. So, Or maybe you um, know a really good volunteer organization or... Yeah, any organization that's doing good, we want to hear about it. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Annalie Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, West Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Dun, 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 dun. ADT <laughs> now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. <gasps> da, da. Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.